welcome. Oh, Michael, so good to hear your voice. Yep, here we are, punching our time cards. Another uh, glorious episode of Bottom Shelf Dreams. Yeah, so glad that we're uh, we're able to to get at you for this week's episode. I'm psyched for this one. This one's gonna be this is it's gonna be one full of a lot of hot takes. Yeah, I mean this is this is the rawest episode, um, and I I hope it's just full of experimental things that may fail or may be just so beautiful we reinvent podcasting. You know, I mean, I, I always feel like you know, in my life, I view myself as a gunfighter, Mike, and mm-hmm. you know, a gunfighter is always his best when he's shooting from the hip. <laughs> well, I feel like I brought a knife to a gunfight. Hey, you know what? That worked out for Michael Jackson. So, you know, <laughs> what's that music video? Is it? Is uh, is it, what, is, is it Billy Bean? It? Is it Beat It? Yeah, it's probably Beat It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm only used to Weird Al's Eat It. <laughs> so. Man. Um, yeah, I mean, after last week's uh, killer episode, um, you know, I, I'm still beating myself up about uh, just missing all those uh, all those songs, Mike. You know, um, Guitar Hero and Rock Band are dead, so someone else is beating themselves up and that's the people who couldn't make it into a sequel. That's what I'm saying. And you know, I'm really, I'm really hoping that you know, rhythm games get another uh, a revitalization soon. And if Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two can come back, so can Rock Band. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking, like uh, speaking of video games that have rhythm, and what we're about to talk about, which is uh, cartoons that we saw after school. Um, I just looked up the Dexter's Laboratory PS1 game. Yeah. And there's, there's a Dance Dance Revolution mini game in it. So, <laughs> I first of all, I didn't know Dexter's Lab even had a video game. <laughs> Second, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was so relevant to video game culture. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of the show, Mike. We, we constantly learn new things. <laughs> Yes, and I hope our, I hope our faithful listeners are listen are learning new things too as well. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and you know, with that being said, Mike, why don't we why don't we hop right into uh, our 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 offerings for this week? Yeah. So the title of this podcast is uh, Ten Cartoons That You Would Watch After School That Are Better Than SpongeBob." We're going straight for the champion, the king of cartoons, the the twelve season SpongeBob cartoon uh, dynasty. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, SpongeBob is the it's the gift that keeps on giving, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know as well as our audience knows that you know every it feels like every week, if not every month, we wake up and there's a new SpongeBob meme to herald our forthcoming doom, and I can't get enough of it. That is so true. And let's not forget that uh, SpongeBob has broken other barriers, such as, you know, video games, 
SpongeBob has probably been in all the same video games that Mario has been in. Uh, Side Scroller, Kart Racer, um, Super Smash Brothers. I'm sure he's in one. Um, <laughs> so he's pretty much the Mario of Nickelodeon. Yeah, he's he's pretty ubiquitous to everything that Nickelodeon has ever done, ever. But if SpongeBob yeah. is Mario, that makes mm-hmm. Patrick Luigi. <laughs> and that that makes uh, Squidward Wario or Waluigi. I like to think he's kind of like a combination of the two of them. I don't know. Have a rotten day. <laughs> exactly, and and I mean SpongeBob doesn't even end there. Just on the small screen, I mean he's mm-hmm. he's had several blockbuster films that have come out, mm-hmm. and you know probably one of the most ambitious crossovers of all time. Him appearing alongside David Hasselhoff. Yeah. So you know how um, we have portable devices that play movies and cartoons? Um, I'm aware. Yes. Well, apparently the Game Boy Advance had like four cartridges that were just cartoons where you could like watch an episode of something. Yeah, no, I, I, you just unlocked a deep memory for me. Yeah, I I remember. It's a fever dream. Like, yeah, they like... were because like Game Boy Advance cartridges usually were like black or like a like a really dark brown, but those yeah. were just, they were like a light gray. I remember that. Right, and so SpongeBob had like like you could pop in a, a SpongeBob cartridge and watch an episode. I can't imagine. I don't know how they shrunk it down to what like four megabits. <laughs> right. Yeah. I wonder how valuable those are right now. You know, I am this close to going on eBay and just buying them just for brag's sake. <laughs> is that the weirdest is that the weirdest crossover? I don't know. That that's yeah. gotta be weird, right? I wanna be at the meeting where Game Boy Advance was like, you know, what's the one thing we're missing in the video game industry? And then someone rose their hand and is like, what about a cartridge with one cartoon on it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, no, that was that was when everyone was like trying to come up with ways to get TV mobile. Um, right. You're going to be very disappointed. It's you can get it for 20 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't want it anymore. I yeah. don't want I only want things that could bankrupt my family. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, two or three grand at least. Right, right. That's why I go straight to Dreamcast games. (laughs) I can get get Frogger 2 Swampy's Revenge for 70 bucks. (laughs) That that sounds incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Um... I uh I found uh I think I found the the game that you were thinking about maybe for uh uh mm-hmm. like a Smash Bros equivalent. It's called Nicktoons Unite. Oh yeah, it has a, sure. it's a it has a four point five out of five rating on GameStop. Well, yeah, I mean Dexter's Laboratory has a ninety four percent Google rating. <laughs> What is no, that? I, I'm more intrigued with each click. Right? Mm-hmm. And then me- meanwhile, we have 
someone like Hido Kojima that can't get <laughs> he's spending mm-hmm. his whole life to get an approval rating like that, but he can't with like yeah. the most ambitious video game ever created and Yeah, he's he, poor guy. He's he's calling up like Nicktoons and saying, What's your <laughs> what's your secret? Yeah, he he's he's worshiping at the feet of Mr. Nickelodeon. Yeah. <laughs> right. At the fountain of green slime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but so e- enough about the uh the top dog. Um mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows SpongeBob, everyone knows Nickelodeon. Um, but here uh but this episode we, we both wanted to bring, you know, five episodes that you could, you know, sit down and and watch after school and and not feel like you're 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 losing too many brain cells. Right. Well, yours might not kill as many brain cells. But if if I'm an example of of <laughs> of, of, of the end product of watching these cartoons, you might want to think twice before you turn on these cartoons. Fair enough, Michael. Yeah. Fair enough. Do we? Uh, do you want to jump into yours, or do you want me to jump into mine? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm going to name the cartoon. I'm going to tell you why I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you how I wish it was still something you could watch. Right. And um, then I. Well, some of them are based on movies, so I can't tell you what a live action version of it would look like. <laughs> I could just reference the movie. Right, right. Um, so I'm just going to jump right into that, and you can take whatever you want from this. Yeah, no, I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a good formula. You guys are definitely getting a, a how the sausage is made on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, think, I think it's a, a good approach to kind of, you know, because, you know, SpongeBob is such a, you know, a, a smorgasbord of media that I think, you know, if we take each one, at face value, and then you know how we would give it the SpongeBob treatment. I think that that'll be that'll be great. Absolutely. So Let's I'm jumping in. So imagine yourself coming home from school. Uh, you sit on your your green uh, polyester couch. <laughs> uh, you're eating uh, half a box of Cracker Jacks. Um, you, you turn the dial cause there was dials back then <laughs> or, or actually if you had cable, you put the channel, uh, you put the TV channel to three, but then you use the cable box to move it to, to either channel 16 or channel seven. Right. Depending. Right. Yep. And this little show called men in black. Yo. <laughs> so this cartoon was decent. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I might sound like that, like, you know, when we talk about movies and then them turning into cartoons or anything popular that turns into a cartoon, you know, sometimes, sometimes people shriek, you know, some, cause they're just lame, like, uh, back to the future, the cartoon, no one remembers it. And that's the way it should be. <laughs> um, Bill and Ted's cartoon. Um, they had no a cartoon. One, yeah, no one remembers it, even though Keanu Reeves' voice is in the cartoon. Uh, no one can find an episode of it. Uh oh. Yeah. Um. 
Cyberpunk 2077, 2079 better watch out. Right, right, yeah. We got your number, Keanu. Um, <laughs> but Men in Black, it was decent because just the whole alien world and um, and the use of like these two FBI secret agent um, alien blaster guys, um, not played by their original actors, Will Smith, and not Will Smith. I can't. I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> I keep wanting to say Kevin Spacey, but it is not Kevin Spacey. Yikes! Right. I'm just. I'm just going to say it's the guy who was in the movie Marshals. In the movie what? Uh, the movie Marshals and No Country for Old Men. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, Tommy Lee Jones. You mean? Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. I knew it would. It's one of those three namers. Anyways, you didn't have those guys in these cartoons. What you had was the wide open universe of the Men in Black canon, which means you could invent any alien and make it as creative or as freaky as you want, and then uh, you know just have the just just have uh, Agent K and Agent J just uh, have to figure out how to destroy them. Like, um, my favorite episode is where, uh, I think it was Agent J had to protect this alien diplomat from a, an assassin. And uh, the only way to protect the alien diplomat was to shoot the alien diplomat and have him explode so that he wouldn't be killed. Because if you shot that particular alien, they could just build themselves back together and it wouldn't kill them. So that was like the huge reveal at the end. And like to me, that was like writing genius. That was like Christopher Nolan <laughs> type uh, twists. Like you know, I I if I had an Oscar for a cartoon episode, that that would be it. Um, yeah, and and the thing is, I also remember like a really heart wrenching episode. Where um, I think Agent K accidentally loses his memory from, you know, because they have those memory blasters. Of course. Um, and so in this episode, he, like, he visits all his places growing up. And, like, like uh, he mends all the relationships he's had as a child. Um, and finally confronts his father to tell him, Dad, I'm going to be fighting aliens and like that that's some deep stuff for like a middle schooler or a high schooler yeah no i that's and from what i remember from that show i mean it, it definitely did not shy away from you know from some pretty serious topics um yeah even for you know just for for a cartoon and i, I feel like they could get away with a lot more in terms of even cartoon violence, just because they were "quote unquote" aliens. Yeah, and and the thing was, is like everything was canon. Like you couldn't you couldn't screw up the show. You couldn't like um, create an alien and be and no one would be able to say that person doesn't exist. Like <laughs> every alien was different. Like they had this one guy who psychically attached to himself to Agent K, and then this alien would like touch hot stoves to torture agent K 
And it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's that makes sense. This is Men in Black. You know, this is one of those shows where you you absolutely could. Uh, I would love to write an episode for this show because I would just I would just go haywire. I would just have fun with it. Um, the the Men in Black canon fans would not exist. They wouldn't right. be. They wouldn't be like that's not a Kenobi. Oh, that's your idea of a Skywalker. Oh, that's lame. No, right, right. <laughs> they might even thank me if I don't involve uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, or... I mean, honestly, based yeah. on the the most recent performance of mm-hmm. Men in Black, yeah, the I'm sure the the MIB fans out there are are desperate for some better content. Right, and. I kind of feel like, like it wouldn't be like if it was to come back, Men in Black, it wouldn't be a cartoon because unfortunately the idea of taking cool movies and turning them into decent cartoons, that age is dead. But I would love to see something like Netflix or Hulu or HBO Black get rights or HBO Max, not HBO Black. I think I made that mm. up. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see them. Um, get the rights to it and do like just give it the treatment that they gave daredevil oh absolutely right take some no-name semi-professional actor build him up right right and yeah yeah and i definitely think that they would have to stick it to the stick it to the idea of you know, trying to stay away from the accepted works as much as possible and just going for it and just playing with literally a whole um, galaxy worth of uh, ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can't fail in the Men in Black universe um, because no one knows what to expect from it. Right. Yeah. I, except for the movie. <laughs> yeah, you, you, <laughs> you can fail if you don't know how to act and if your plot makes no sense. And um, you really don't know how to have fun. But as long as you don't fall on those landmines, you're perfectly fine. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, No, that that that's a. I love that that was the first place we started, Mike. And uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's only going to get stronger from there. Mm -hmm. Can I just bring up that um, I bought the Nintendo or I bought the Game Boy Color version of Men in Black that was based on the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And that game was so hard, and I hated it. So <laughs> it's the Dark Souls of video games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was just so unfair. And like, was it unfair because the controls were bad? Because I hate well, when games do that. For yeah, the the jumping was like wooden, but yeah. like the obstacles were like Super Mario level obstacles. And it didn't help that they probably switched the jump and the shoot button. Oh, yeah. And your your call your character was tall and lanky, so he was easy to hit. And aliens would just constantly come at you, and it's just it was no fun, no bueno. Yeah, and um, I think something else that I I definitely appreciated about the um that cartoon was just the incredible animation style i definitely i i appreciated it and it it felt the uh it felt like it it matched its source material perfectly Mm -hmm. yeah did you watch yours on the w the kids wb i did 
Yeah, that was the Saturday cartoon that like that made waking up worth it. Mike, this is gonna blow your mind, but the cast mm-hmm. for that was brilliant too. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, the guy that plays, oh, yeah. uh, that plays Kingpin in Daredevil, uh, mm-hmm. was in it. And same thing with, uh, like I think Tony uh, Shalib, or I don't know how to say his last name. Tony uh, Shalhoub. Shalhoub, yeah, was also yeah. in it. So yeah, no, it's it's a it's a solid show with a solid cast, and you know even Adam Baldwin was in it. <laughs> Amazing, and I remember Agent L too. She was a. Uh... She was a, the only female in the Men in Black series that I actually respected. You know, <laughs> she, she she was kind of like the like the, the Scully. She did a fantastic. Exactly. Oh man, what a what a good what a good first what a good first one. And Mike, I have the perfect cartoon to transition from this one. Go right ahead, Michael. Uh, imagine you've just finished watching Men in Black and you're about mm-hmm. to get off and, and do some math homework and suddenly Jackie Chan Adventures comes on. No way. Michael, this is one of my favorite cartoons growing up. Uh, you know, there's five seasons, 95 <laughs> episodes. Jackie mm-hmm. Chan had his hands all over this project. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it ran from 2000 to 2005 and um, such an underrated, such an underrated TV show. And, um, you know, there, there, there are so um, there are so few uh, shows that uh, I feel like um, it's getting better now. But like, you know, when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of TV shows with with Asian, uh, you know, protagonists, Asian, mm-hmm. uh, Asian leads. And, um, you know, this was one of them where I could watch and be like, yeah, no, Jackie Chan, he, he is my hero. He, he is mm-hmm. the, he's, he's a guy that I can look up to. He, he kind of looks like me and, um, he's strong and he's powerful. And, um, it, it was, you know, it was such a great, it was such a great, uh, show. And it, it definitely also led me into my love for, for action, uh, action films because I quickly found out that. That Jackie Chan uh, wasn't just a cartoon, but he was a Hong Kong action film star. So, you know, uh-huh. I had to, you know, I had to start watching all his uh, his real movies. And um, but I think what uh, what Jackie Chan really brings to the table is that yes, he can do a he can do a gritty, he can do a, a hard action movie. But Jackie Chan has always had a soft side to him. He's always he's always had a you know. Um, kind of a, a, a loving kind of uncle, uh-huh. grandfatherly side to him. And uh-huh. uh, that really comes through in this role. And, uh, you know, Jackie Chan Adventures um, kind of centered around uh, Jackie. Uh, obviously, he's uh, he plays like this Indiana Jones-esque character who's like this archaeologist. Um, and he lives in, in San Francisco with his... Uh, with his uncle, but then he also has a couple of, he has a niece, uh, Jade, and uh, they had a, a big lumbering man named Toru that, that, that ran around with them, but, um, you know, they, they kind of had this awesome kind of nuclear family, and they would, um, they, you know, they would, uh-huh. they would go on misadventures, and it was, no, it, it, was, it was great to be able to just experience and see, you know, these powerful 
you know, Asian leads and and done in a way that wasn't trying to take advantage of, you know, the market or trying to take advantage of the Chinese market. <laughs> Mulan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, at first I'd say, uh, you know, they should make a live action based on Jackie Chan Adventures. But then I remember that his life is a live action movie. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, you know, besides like the dark hand uh, element and like, you know, some of the Chinese <laughs> Zodiac stuff and the supernatural uh-huh. stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, but no, I, I see, I don't even know if I would, um, if I would want a, uh, like a live action version of this or like, um, more so than I would just love a, an uncharted style game, uh-huh. uh, created in this universe um i feel like that would be so much fun uh you know just being able to run around as as jackie chan solving you know ancient chinese archaeological puzzles while fighting uh ninjas i I don't know Mm that just sounds like a great time to me yeah i mean he did have a ps2 game and it was Mm. 3d but i'm i'm guessing well actually i'm looking at screenshots and He's running from cars in traffic. This looks a lot like <laughs> Uncharted. If I had to, if I had to take a guess. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Give us a remaster of that, or make a, a whole brand new <laughs> game. Naughty Dog, you can do it. I believe in you. Yeah. I want this desperately. Yeah. So what I loved about Jackie Chan Adventures, I didn't see that many episodes. But I did catch the end of episodes where they would ask Uncle Jackie a question. And <laughs> right, right. You cannot have Jackie Chan in a series without asking him that lovely question, what bones have you broken? <laughs> that is like the number one question everyone asks him in an interview. And which he'll, he'll start to point to parts of his body and say, break, 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 pop, 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 snap, snap, snap. And he'll do that for like 30 seconds, trying to remember all the things he broke. <laughs> yeah, the man is truly a legend. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, he there's not that many that's there's not that many guys in Hollywood, knock on wood, that have had a, mm-hmm. such a long career that he's had. And you know, it, it's just he's just so humble, and he mm-hmm. he just loves his craft, and he just you know at least you know on the surface and. Uh, from what we see, he seems like a great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Jakey Chan Adventures. Now, what I like about this is they totally could have just made uh, a lame cartoon series where Jackie Chan is like a Mr. Miyagi and he helps right. like white kids from bullies and and then, you know, takes down gangs. But they threw in like they threw in like a green lantern thing where you know you're chasing down talismans that give right, you right. power and mm-hmm. you know you're you're gaining magical astrological powers in right. focusing your chi right exactly yeah so Jackie Chan adventures is um if it, it's the naruto that i would have wanted <laughs> it's the mm-hmm. naruto it's the naruto that you could sit down with your family and mm-hmm. not have to try to explain everything that's happening. 
Right. It's it's the Naruto for the thinking man. <laughs> it's the thinking man. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if if you guys, uh, there there's so many good WB uh cartoon series that um I feel like don't get enough love. Um, and you know the, the these two are, are are great examples. Um, but yeah, yeah, go give them go give them a watch if you haven't seen. Jack Chan Adventures or, or, or Men in Black. Definitely worth your watch. Mm-hmm. Yes. And which brings me to my next one. Number two on the list. Now, as they say in improv, it's better to have your audience wanting more than to, you know, have them wanting less because you gave them too much. And that was definitely the problem of this cartoon. And that cartoon is called Freakazoid. <laughs> Michael, Freak- yes, I love this cartoon. Oh my gosh! Let me tell you that Freakazoid is the Deadpool that Deadpool needs to bow to. Um, he's crazy, spontaneous. Um, think of a DC superhero, but with like Looney Tunes and Animaniacs antics. And then think of inside jokes that you um, would only get if if friends in the inner circle actually knew. And you get Freakazoid. Uh, you get this guy with black lightning hair, blue skin, who can run at a million miles per hour, but only if he's doing like a pretend Superman run. Um, he travels through computers and he wrestles bad guys and makes them say uncle. Um, he breaks the fourth wall. He, he cuts to like 1970s movie clips to get his point across. Um, the movie was, or the show was just like a, a mockery of, it was, it was like a smorgasbord of like WB's like history of movies and cartoons, but it also like, it was self-aware and it just told so many jokes that only like college kids would get. Um, my favorite joke would have to be when uh, uh, Freakazoid had this cop friend, and uh, this this cop friend pulls over this guy, and he's like, "I'm gonna write you a ticket." And the ticket he writes is uh, one free pass to a Jerry Springer show. <laughs> And the guy freaks out. He's like, no, no, I'll do anything. Put me in jail. <laughs> so, and that's the kind of humor that, like, you would get in this show. Absolutely. I mean, if this is even possible, it was just like, this show was all the things that the Animaniacs just were too afraid to touch. So they, yeah. like, threw it over to the creative team of Freakazoid, and they're like, here, you do it. Yeah. Or someone was like, you know, Batman's cool, but what if Batman was stupid? <laughs> and they they pumped out like a couple seasons based on the premise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um Freakazoid, I mean, Freakazoid walked so 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 many other cartoons could run. I mean, yeah. you know, we wouldn't have the tick without it. Um mm-hmm. and you know, we wouldn't have, you know, even even stuff like down the road like this um I, in in my opinion, this is definitely like the 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 cornerstone on which kind of like 
irreverent kind of off the wall mm-hmm. um almost like you know just like just the strangest weirdest cartoon stuff got its start from you know we wouldn't have you know adventure time without it you know we wouldn't have right. um we wouldn't have spongebob without this you know we wouldn't mm-hmm. have you know all these shows that um are kind of praised for its irreverent humor without uh freakazoid yeah now this is what i hated um you had animaniacs but Animaniacs wasn't 30 minutes of Animaniacs. It was a 10-minute Animani- Animaniacs short, and then it was Pinky and the Brain. Um, and you only wanted, you only were there for Animaniacs. Amen. You didn't want the mid-carters. No. Um, same with Freakazoid. You get a 10-minute Freakazoid show, and then the rest of the stuff would be like side character adventures, like Fat Man. Um, Lame. He was he was a side character, and then you had uh, the Huntsman, which is like this really beefy forest guy who shot arrows, and, <laughs> um, or Lord Fish and Chips, which is like this, <laughs> this British guy who yes. uh, he couldn't get the name he wanted because of, they were all trademarked, so that the last name that was available, Fish and Chips. <laughs> And so you'd get those small stories, and those were good. I mean, they were the same writers, but they weren't Freakazoid. Right, right. So I've always wanted more Freakazoid. Yeah, and I, I really think that was kind of just the beauty of that character, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. they never gave you too much. And I, I think if we got, like, a 20-minute a show of that, uh, mm-hmm. it probably would have been a little too much. Yeah. Which explains why Deadpool is only the unlockable character in a game, and isn't the game itself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, Freakazoid has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's you know, it, it it truly, you know, it it truly stands, it truly stands the test of time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I. I can definitely see um, this cartoon being uh, fundamental in your the development of your humor, Mike. I, you know, a hundred percent. That is probably the truest statement I will hear all year. Um, <laughs> and you know, Freakazoid represents that thing that was is too good for its own good. Yeah. You know, like like Time Splitters for the GameCube. Right. It's just like everyone's afraid to touch or try to remake it because it's just it was just too perfect and to you know to try and make something to try to get lightning to strike twice is just impossible so just let's just pretend it didn't happen and just remember it. Yeah, I mean the the like Freakazoid and I, we've kind of buried the lead on this, but Steven Spielberg was part of creating this. Oh my gosh, he pro yeah, that hands down. That was back when WB and Steven Spielberg were just they were the power couple. They were like the Kobe and Shaq of cartoons. <laughs> like you just couldn't when they were in charge. There was no Disney. That's why no one can remember any Disney cartoon in the nineties. Because when those those two were together, it was just is game over. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, just you know, 
as an embarrassment of riches, you know, uh, Bruce Tim, uh, the guy that's kind of the the main dude over at the DC animated universe, got his start here. Same thing with Spielberg. You know, the the show was just made by people that are you know certifiably geniuses. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I love that the first three cartoons are, uh, you know, all WB properties. I love this. Uh, you know, strap in because I think that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I love it. Um, I, yeah. I think it would I think it would also be uh, a crime to not mention Paul Dini either. Uh, yeah. who is also a, a writer on there too. Um, right, right. Uh, but yeah, no, Freakazoid, such a such a great such a great show, so underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, another show that those guys worked on that I'm saving as either an honorable mention or I hope that you'll throw it in there. But um, I'll, I'll sit on it and then we'll come back to it a little later on, hopefully. Hmm. Um, shall I, shall I jump right into, uh, my, mm-hmm. my, my next show? Yeah. Um, Mike, this is, um, a, a more, uh, a more recent offering. Uh, and the, see, and, and, and this is one of those shows that, um, as a 20 something man, it's, it's pretty difficult to try to get people to watch. No, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about my little pony. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I I genuinely love this show. I genuinely love the characters. I love the writing, and um, I might have talked about it before. But um, this 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 little show called Star vs. the Forces of Evil. I love this TV show. I love it so much. Um, it's available on uh, the Disney streaming service. Definitely go out and watch it. Um, wait, wait, hold on. What is this called? Uh, Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Oh, you'll have to tell me about this. I've never seen this. Perfect. That's why I'm here, Michael. Um, so the plot revolves around uh, the, the main protagonist, who is a female, uh, mm-hmm. which is we love here on, on the podcast. Her name is Star Butterfly, and she's mm-hmm. um, a magical princess. Uh, she's from this kingdom called Muni. And it's kind of like this weird hodgepodge of like high fantasy meets like science fiction meets like i don't know it, it's it's just like this crazy no holds bar um amalgamation of of fantasy tropes um and uh her parents are the king and queen of of that uh dimension uh but on her on her birthday she's given like this uh, magical wand that kind of gives her access to unlimited power and these this this um Mm-hmm. This bad guy wants to try to steal it from her. So in order to uh, protect her and the magic, they send her to Earth. And she meets the other uh, main protagonist. His name is Marco Diaz. Um, and uh, another thing about the show is that they definitely don't shy away from the fact that Marco Diaz um, is Hispanic, which is awesome. Uh, you know, he, you know he, he speaks Spanish and he's... Um, his heritage is like up and at the forefront, so it's super cool. Um, but they kind of he he's kind of like your your typical nerdy, antisocial kind of guy. But then when he meets uh, Star Butterfly, he kind of comes out of his shell, and they they kind of go on these adventures uh, together. 
uh, going, you know, to and from different dimensions and, and solving different magical problems, all while fighting um, uh, the, the bad guys. And it's, it's just genuinely heartwarming. It's, it's really, really funny. You just, you fall in love with the characters and uh, it's, it's so good. It, 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 it's final season came out maybe, I think last year or, or two years ago, I think 2018. And it's, I, I love it. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it sounds, it sounds like it would be right up our alley this show. And we would, uh, I don't think there would be a way we do an episode without mentioning She-Ra. It has some She-Ra flavors in it. Definitely for sure. I mean, it, it, it definitely draws on kind of, uh, kind of on, on those elements. Um, but I will mm-hmm. say the, um, where it kind of, it kind of differs is, um, and it's, it's humor. It's, it's definitely a little bit more kind of like quirky and lovable and it, it's got kind of like that Disney. So it's, it's made by Disney, but it's got that kind of like Disney XD magic dust on it. Um, yeah. You know, like your, your Phineas and Ferbs, um, your, uh, you know, you know, a bunch of shows kind of like that. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's great. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a tight show and, um, you know, I, I, I can't speak, uh, high enough about it. Yeah. Well, um, once upon a time, you told me about a little show called Gravity Falls. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I hope we talk about that in the future because you got me hooked on that show. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And I also have to mourn when the second season's done. <laughs> then, uh, it'll it'll be all over. It will be all over. And this is and this uh uh this show is very reminiscent of that uh, of that show. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's it's a good tight four seasons, and you know, just it it doesn't um the humor doesn't overstay its welcome. And mm-hmm. uh, this is, I, I feel like this show is just, uh, the way that it ends, uh, the, like the, the show finale, the way it ends, it's, it's satisfying in that it's an ending, um, but it also leaves it so open that you could do basically anything that you would want with it, and yeah. people would just eat it up. And I would love to see them do... Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want them to try and replicate kind of like the the magic uh, with a live action, just because I don't think it would translate well. But mm-hmm. I would love to see them do like a a feature length uh, animated uh, movie. I feel like that would just like you know that would give us enough content, uh, and it, you know it would do some some nice world building. Uh, and I, I would love it if they kept the cast, but like maybe. You know, shoot it a couple of years into the future. I don't know. There's, mm-hmm. it, it's you know, it's it, it's so good. I I can't talk about it without giving too much away. But um, you know, th- this this show has everything. It's got it's got love. It's got romance. It's got uh, wanton violence. It has off the cuff humor. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, one of my favorite <laughs> running jokes in the show is uh, Marco Diaz, the main character. Uh, one of the main characters, they, uh, him and Star Butterfly, have to break into this uh, reform school for wayward princesses. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, in order to do that, he has to dress up as a princess. And uh, she, uh, Marco Diaz, uh, in his princess guise, becomes, like, the most popular girl in school. And uh, she wins, like, a bunch of, like, beauty pageants or whatever and uh, gets her own action figure. So his, <laughs> his princess alter ego in, uh, in Muni is, like, super famous. Uh, so he gets royalties from uh, the, the action figures, but it's always exactly, mm-hmm. like, $500. So there's, yeah. a, there's a running joke in the show where they, like, stuff will just cost $500, and he'll just have it from his royalties from being a princess. It's really great. See, that, that's the stuff that good improv is made out of. Those running that's jokes. What, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is very interesting, and I love hearing about things that I've never heard of. Mm. But shall I go to number three? Yeah, man. Go on. So, this is a cartoon that you're lucky to find in someone's uh, someone's garage sale. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this... If you took the uh, the whole entire, um, if you, if you took every cartoon and you made it the size of our universe, this cartoon would probably be just the size of the Earth, in comparison, just because it had such a short run, and it was such a bizarre run. Um, and that, I'm talking about the cartoon called Earthworm Jim. Um, yes. Do you, do you remember that Sega Genesis Super Nintendo game? I I remember the game. Uh, I also remember uh, there's a bit. Uh, don't they take a shot at Sonic? Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure. Um, in one of the four episodes, they they probably because it it's a WB show. So right, right. they're uh, they're going to think beyond the fourth wall. They're going to be zany. They're going to be satirical. They're going to be all those things we love. And uh, so I loved Earthworm Jim as when it was as a video game, mm-hmm. even though I could probably only get off the first level and then die forever. <laughs> um, I I just love the idea. I probably liked it because my best friend Dave at the time loved Earthworm Jim, and he could draw Earthworm Jim really well. So when I found out there was a cartoon, like I was in my fanboy glory, and it had that WB magic, so it made fun of pop culture. Um, uh, It was kind of like the tick, but like WB's uh, angle on it. Um, It had had zany villains like Professor Monkey for a head. And yep, he lived up to that. Uh, a lot of gross things, like uh, the the queen, the queen alien that uh, uh, Earthworm Jim was in love with was like disgusting. And she, uh, or and no, that was the villain queen. She was disgusting, and they always tried to make her look just so gross. And then um, you had, um, I you had Peter the puppy, and Peter the puppy. The running joke with her was that he was this cute, adorable sidekick like a robin, but then uh, Earthworm Jim would accidentally step on his toe and he turned into this, like, this bloody monster and he would just, like, beat up Earthworm Jim. And he would always, like, ruin Earthworm Jim's plan to save the day. And um, what what I really liked 
Like, if there's any reason to like Earth, number one, it's such an obscure game from Interplay. The, the people that make um, Clay Fighters right. were behind Earthworm Jim. And the thing is, it was such a gamble, but it, it was so uh, it was so in um, WB's house because it was Earthworm Jim was sassy and sarcastic, and he made fun of things and told lots of puns. Um, and it, they were probably trying to strike the same gold that they were getting from Freakazoid. And the other thing about it is this. It's just characters based on fever dreams. Like, what if an earthworm went into a power suit and became a superhero? And then he fought a professor with a monkey for a brain. And he fought this evil worm queen um, while trying to win this princess's heart. And, um, and But then he had a sidekick puppy that turned into a purple monster that would beat beat up a, the, our, our hero. like. It was just, it was based on the weirdest premise ever. So you either had to be a total weirdo to enjoy it, or it would succumb to its fate, which is like only what, like four episodes? Right. Um, I remember uh, it was always on after church. So I'd I'd go to St. John's Catholic Church, um, slog through it because I did not uh, appreciate church back then. And then I would go home to the finish line, which was an episode of Earthworm Jim. Of Earthworm Jim. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely say of, of all the cartoons that we're, we're saying on this list, this one is probably going to be the one that's um, most hit or miss for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this show tried to be ugly on purpose. Right. And just be like, look how gross we can be. Just, ugh. Yeah, but, but, I mean, yeah it, yeah, it definitely is also kind of like the uh, the epitome of kind of like that '90s, like anti, just like you right. know, just anti everything humor and just being like, yeah, we we don't adhere to your rules or your systems and right, you know, right. They just kind of you know they, they they approached it in the same way that you know Rare approaches their video games or. Mm-hmm. You know, they they definitely weren't out to win awards. Let's just yeah. say that. It was just, you know, it was like the weirdo in class who had an obsession with cows falling on people. Yeah, um, exactly. Or, or if Monty, Monty Python had, like, a cartoon series, I think Earthworm Jim would be the closest <laughs> uh, to a Monty Python, like, cartoon series in the 90s for kids. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, no, and, 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 you know, like Freakazoid before it, you know, mm-hmm. this, this cartoon definitely um, laid down the groundwork for things like Futurama or for mm-hmm. um, Disenchanted or, you know, even into Family Guy and stuff like that. Like, this is, yeah. you know, this is kind of like the, you know, one of the OG guys for that. Yeah. And you could tell that Earthworm Jim was trying to be like the tick. Right. And, Gr- and Green Lantern combined. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I um I think if there's uh, there's any uh if there's any kind of criticism for it, I think coming back to it with a, a lens from like a, a modern lens, um mm-hmm. it's definitely a little ham fisted. Um <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, and and 
yeah, I would definitely say that, you know, this is, this is definitely, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't feel bad about yourself if you don't think it's funny. Um, because, you know, yeah. it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The thing about the show is it's, it's more personal for me because, you know, my best friend was in, into it and he could draw Earthworm Jim. And that was the cool thing was making our own comic books. But we didn't want to infringe on the rights of Earthworm Jim. So we would make our own ridiculous and weird characters. Like my character was Windmill Anthony, which is a pretty much a, <laughs> a guy with a windmill for a head. I and, love that. But, you know, he was shaped like Earthworm Jim and he had a gun that could blow up people. So um, That's yeah. perfect. I love that. So if if you think that Windmill Anthony's a good idea, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, this is, you know, this is our list, you know. This is the list of things mm-hmm. that we would want to go home and watch, you know, and ones that are better, that we think are better than SpongeBob. Yeah. And if you ever get a chance to see those shows, like they show up on some streaming network or you go to someone's garage sale, which is how I got two episodes on VHS. Um, it has a great theme song and it's just, it's just a thrill ride. Do it just because I told you to. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Um, shall I jump into my next one, Mike? Please do. Mike, um, this one... Mike, this one holds a very... I mean, all these cartoons, I think, hold special places in their hearts, but um, this one this one is is, is pretty great. Um, I, I'm bringing another Cartoon Network offering, um, and it's a little cartoon called Total Drama Island. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, this show is, is so perfect. It's, um, the, the show is almost a, a one-to-one parody of the uh, TV show Survivor, uh, for those of you um, not in the know, and uh, uh, and it, it it kind of just plays off this idea of these um, you know young teens coming to this island to compete on a reality TV show, but but everything is like hammed up to the nth degree. Um, there's a there's a chef uh, named uh, Chef Hatchet that kind of is definitely out to kill everyone. Uh, the main character is, uh, one of the main characters and, uh, the kind of host of the show, Chris, he's like, you know, he's, you know, he's Joe Rogan on, uh, like Fear Factor dialed up (laughs) to like 11. Um, he's got like the, he's got the pretty boy looks and the, the crazy one-liner zingers and it's, the, the show is, is a perfect parody of like, uh, just every kind of 2000s trope and reference on tv and um i i just love it i mean uh you know whether you know from ezekiel he's one of the characters he's like a he's like this kind of awkward homeschool kid uh to uh tyler who's like this the definition of a jock in his deep v pink t-shirt uh Mm -hmm. you know to um to herald the ultimate dweeb with glasses and freckles um, mm-hmm. But I, I think my favorite character um, on the TV show, uh, who his, his name is Owen, and uh, he's he's you know he's a 
he's a one-to-one exact recreation of Chris Farley, and um, he's he's just too beautiful for words. And I uh, I love him, and I love the show. And um, if you're looking for something that doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to watch, and you just want to sit down and and binge through just you know twenty episodes of hilarity, this mm-hmm. is the show for you. Yeah, I've seen that show, and I love the idea that it's making fun of Survivor. And it 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 takes my wife's favorite like drama reality shows that take themselves too seriously, and it makes fun of them, which is amazing because I've always wanted to make fun of Survivor, and right? they get it. Right, yeah. No, the, the show is like this perfect combination of a parody of survivor and like big brother and you know the jersey shore i mean this show takes like every trashy reality television show from the uh you know the mid-2000s it just parodies the crap out of it yeah yeah that's that's beautiful right and i mean uh, among my favorite things on the show is like when they do the the floating head interviews it always takes place in an outhouse, you know, so they're literally, mm-hmm. you know, talking crap about each other. Um, <laughs> um, or just, you know, the crazy challenges, uh, you know, like an episode they have to uh, cliff dive and, and Owen does a, a massive belly flop off the top of a 100-foot cliff or um, mm-hmm. another episode where they have to go through an obstacle course and, um, you know, the, you know, just, just hilarity ensues and there's... There's it, it's 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 just a quality TV show, and um and probably most importantly, um the production company is from Canada, and as you know on the show we love all things Canadian. Mm-hmm. Even though we're not Canadian. <laughs> yeah, there are neighbors from the north. Amen. Our quiet neighbors. Our, our polite neighbors. Yeah. So is that is that yours? Yeah, man, and I, I don't know. I, I I don't think I would do like uh I don't think it just wouldn't make sense as a um as a like a reality TV show because um it's making fun of a reality TV show. Um, but I think that might be where the genius is in it. You know, shows mm-hmm. successful shows like The Office, uh, I don't know, or Parks and Rec if you've heard of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it would be really funny if someone did a um, a show kind of like that, just, you know, with real people and uh, making really, you know, elaborate, crazy, hilarious situations. And um, I, I think it would be pretty successful. And I think that the first place someone that was trying to make that show should go to for, for advice and how to do it is, you know, Total Drama Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely good as a cartoon. And one thing that irks me mm. is that our our world's belief that something isn't canon unless it's, uh, you know, the live action. Right. Um, A.K.A. Lego Batman can never be part of the DC Extended Universe, nor can Spider-Man um, enter the Spider-Verse. Um. Because they're cartoons, no one will take them seriously. They're like side projects. And I think I would totally respect and get behind a cartoon superhero universe way more than I'd get behind a live act. 
what do you think about that? Yeah, Mike, I I totally agree, and I I just think that like superheroes, they translate themselves to cartoons, um, so much easier, so much better uh-huh. than than live action. Um, I mean, we we've talked about we talk about this all the time, but you know, stuff like Justice League, you uh-huh. know, s- stuff like Freakazoid, um, they they just they just there's something magical about a a cartoon. Uh huh. Absolutely. So, and, and uh, the the Lego Batman movie, I would argue, is uh, one of the only Batman movies to really capture the characterization of Batman well, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. You no one's complained about Lego. Like you can't say, "Oh, what a disappointment," or they totally failed at it. Um. Because they they nail they nail the character in the meme of Batman a hundred and ten percent. Yeah, and they lean a hundred percent into it. Yeah, and that's all we're asking for. <laughs> Amen to that. But speaking of Batman, my number two pick. Ooh. Um. Imagine imagine a show that is as cool and creepy as Gotham. But has elements of Top Gun. Who? Um, has elements of Ninja Turtle robots. And um, has two main characters that would be played by Kevin Nash and Razor Ramon. Or you <laughs> might know him as Scott Hall. Uh, perfectly. And I'm talking about the show, The SWAT Cats. The Radical Squadron. <laughs> Um, it came out in 1994 to 1995, 25 episodes. So it was like a blip on the map. Um, it became the number one animated cartoon in 1994. And I can tell you why. Um, these were two cats that were like rich like Batman, but like cool like Iron Man. And they fought like the Dark Lord Cat, like Dark Cat, and his arch villains of uh, Metallic Cat robots. And they would get in stuff like, they'd get into these awesome, like, jets and these awesome, like, Batmobile-type things. And, like, they'd have all these cool weapons, like, just come out of their hands as they, they'd shoot missiles at, like, uh, worms. Or they'd, like, drive a jeep through a nuclear plant. And, you know, it was just, every episode was just these awesome weapons being fired at these cool bad guys while while just all this cool crap was happening. And this was on Cartoon Network. And this is this is one of those shows where like if like it was just so cool in my mind. Um this is one of those shows where you know that every time someone drew a picture they would make a toy um for kids to buy like this was just made to to lure uh young men into buying bunch of toys um but that did not deter the show from being as as amazing and as cool as it was i mean (laughs) who would not want um a cat version of batman where everybody's a cat but there's that doesn't change the fact that there's still tons and tons of explosions, suplexes, uppercuts, uh, sword fights, 
and jet attacks. No, this sounds incredible. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that you would mm-hmm. love something like this. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like this show, um, like so many others, was just gone too soon. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm also always at the philosophy that I'd rather something go uh while it's good before it jumps the shark and it just gets ruined yeah that's why simpsons will never be on this list (laughs) right Um, right or or even spongebob right right uh yeah you you have 12 years of spongebob pick one right right um so i love that mike yeah i just learned that this show went before congress for being a little too violent (laughs) Um, yeah, there was a time in the 90s Congress was finding violent things that were aimed at kids and trying to shut them down. So that's probably what killed the show. You know, after you, you know, they blew up a, a couple mutant cats and, you know, punched out the mayor and, you know, shot a monster truck into a volcano. You know, Congress was probably like, eh. You know, that's this is probably too violent. Um, <laughs> keep in mind that Vince McMahon, like a year prior, went before Congress to explain that wrestling wasn't violent. Right. It was just yeah. sports entertainment. Right, right. So this show got sh- shut down, but they were able to squeak out one really cool Super Nintendo game. Yeah. I love that. And, mm-hmm. you know, with with so many things getting, you know, gritty, real world, uh, or, you know, e- not even just real world, but just, you know, gritty, gritty remakes, you know, there's plenty of, of, of space on the airwaves for for this show, and I would mm-hmm. love to, to see it come back. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just think, did I dream this? Because I don't sure. think the world is capable of making something this cool. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, shall I get into my uh, second to last yep. uh, offering? Awesome, Absolutely. Man. So um, this uh, this cartoon was um, partially uh, inspiration for this this week's podcast. This is kind of what got our brains swirling and turling. Um, but it's a, a show called Danny Phantom. Mm. Um, created by uh, Butch Hartman. He kind of was the the brainchild behind things like uh, the Fairly Odd Parents and um, some other things like Tough Puffy and some other things on, mm-hmm. on Nickelodeon. Um, but um, Danny Phantom, I feel like, has always kind of like the it's one of the the little brothers of the you know the 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 mid two thousands uh, cartoons that kind of that came out. Um, it definitely was Fairly Odd Parents' little brother. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, kind of what, what what got me thinking about this is uh, Comic Con this year. Uh, one of the exclusive Funko Pops you can get is a Danny Phantom Funko Pop, and uh-huh. it just got me thinking about you know the the fact that there hasn't been a Danny Phantom Funko Pop until Comic Con this year. Kind of really put it into perspective um, how how underrated this this show is. Okay, Mike. Uh, so 
uh, so Danny Phantom, he kind of gets his uh, his origins by um, he kind of is his parents are are these ghost hunters and they have like a bunch of these weird machines in his basement and he kind of gets caught up in this experiment that changes him uh, into like this human ghost hybrid and he then takes on the task of uh, saving his town and his friends from uh, the the ghost realm and Mm -hmm. uh, he kind of has these ever-evolving set of supernatural powers but he's he's helped along by his best friends sam and tucker and Mm -hmm. uh his sister uh jazz and kind of like the the main plot devices for the 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 show are kind of him balancing his superhero life with uh you know being just a regular high school student and i think kind of really what drew me to the show is um definitely the the parallels to, to peter parker and you know spider man Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the characters and their 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 relationships and uh the kind of the the original take on these superpowers you know you don't see too many uh ghost based superpowers and uh, right. i always thought that, that was that was super cool and um it, but it it wasn't always just you know super serious there was a lot of stuff a lot of the bad guys were were comically named there was like a a ghost uh lunch lady that would you know, shoot ectoplasm lunch meat at people. Uh, there's a, a running a running gag of a character named the Box Ghost that was kind of like a very useless ghost that thought he was super evil. And mm. um, yeah, there it, it, it's such a great show, so underrated, and you know, kind of always living in the shadow of its uh, Nickelodeon siblings. And um, I, I definitely think that this show would be totally ripe for. Uh, a live action, uh, a live action movie. Um, you know, I would, I would love to see, um, you know, this as a as a live action TV show. I think it would lend itself perfectly for that. Yeah, in a, in a perfect world, they wouldn't remake Ghostbusters. It would be Danny Phantom, and it would have the Stranger Things kids. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> um, and you know, I I think that they could go with that that sort of that sort of vibe. I mean, they're, you know, they're remaking Sabrina, the teenage witch, you know, they're remaking, um, you know, they're, they're, they're remaking, you know, stranger things, which is just a parody of a bunch of other stuff. Um, and, and this show is, I I think perfect for that. I think it, Uh it it does a really good job of, uh, of capturing high school life, um, in the, you know, the mid two thousands and, uh, kind of the, the shared experiences of, uh, the kids watching it, and uh, I would love to see it live on. Okay, as I was saying, um, this is a Nickelodeon show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. Danny Phantom, um, it kind of had that Powerpuff feel to it, where it was cool and funny at the same time. Right, right. Uh, and that's, like, I love stuff like that, because you can gush like a geek over it, because mm-hmm. it's cool. But at the same time, you don't have to take it that seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think another thing that it has going for it is it's it's kind of it, it definitely has like that that cross appeal. Like it it can definitely appeal to those kind of geeks and nerds that are you know super into you know your superheroes that are you know into your your nerdy kind of heroes, but also kind of like that Spider Man quality about it too. Um, you know, if if you're not into that, but you're into those dynamic human relationships, 
um, yeah, Danny definitely balances uh, both of those sides of his life too, and you know his complex feelings for his friends. Um, you know, and he's dealing with the struggles of high school, and uh, the the writers did a a great job of balancing all those things. Right. And speaking of ghosts, this goes right into my number one. Ooh, perfect. I chose this as a number one um, because this this show feels like someone listened to our podcast and then published what we were talking about. We're going to assume for libel. Right, right. So, you know on this podcast, we take things that we love and then we come up with such amazing ideas that the internet cannot deny us that this needs to be made. Um, so, so far, a hundred percent of the things we brought up have not been made. <laughs> we can agree on that. Yes. Um, but imagine if you will, we were in the nineties and we were talking about Ghostbusters, um, as the cartoon. And we said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if Ghostbusters, um, was in the late nineties and it had, uh, you know, these cool, these young, cool kids who were, uh, you know, busting ghosts and they had all this updated gear, you know, where one of the Ghostbusters had like dual akimbo guns and the, <laughs> the other one uh, like had like rockets and, uh, you know, they had Egon to help them and, right. and, and the ghosts were actually scary. You know, imagine us saying that and someone listening. And then in the late 90s, coming out with Ghostbusters Extreme. Uh, Ghostbusters Extreme is the siren's call to my boyhood. Uh, because it, it took, it, it kind of came alongside Men in Black. Mm-hmm. But um, it did something that you could never do with Ghostbusters. And it, it made it look cool and scary and serious but also like funny in that like 90s kind of way where you know everything was radical and not cool and gross and so right and also the show was incredibly woke for its time not that i i think woke is often a good term used but for some reason i don't know if there was like a politician behind making this show but you you have like a goth girl who's a ghostbuster. Mm-hmm. Right. We have um, a guy in a wheelchair, um, a Puerto Rican named Eduardo. Eduardo, um, And you have the elderly Egon. Oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And you have a black guy. And together they make the most diverse ghostbusters that makes the woman ghostbusters group look vanilla by comparison. Right. So, so they they were totally going with diversity. Every group is is hit, and um, and so they they'd fight these scary ghosts um, under the tutelage of Egon, who was teaching like uh, ghost classes in college. As you do, yeah. And so uh, they would fight like the monster of the of the week, and it was like this ghost that could do cool things like haunt your nightmares or, um, you know take over the minds of construction workers but then they would learn something about racism or about <laughs> about like 
you know, don't pick on people who are weaker than you. And somehow right. the, the, the episode would be like, yeah, um, I'm so glad we learned that lesson. There was like the second episode was about anti-Semitism. That's what I'm talking about. It, yeah, a synagogue creates like a like a mud a clay man to like haunt people who are right. anti-Semitic. Okay. And uh, one of the Ghostbusters joins like a like um, almost like a like a, a skinhead group, and but he finds <laughs> out. Yeah, like he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are racist, and because you're racist, uh, the synagogue made this uh, clay man of death. <laughs> So now we have to kill this clay man of death and teach you a lesson about racism. And it, so on one hand, the show had beautiful um, atmosphere. Like it was scary. Um, even the credits had like this awesome guitar track that kind of blended in the old Ghostbusters theme, but with like a Metallica guitar riff wild yeah and then but then it ended like with credits rolling and like these ghosts like howling in the background in a way that if you played that at night you would never go to sleep it's the most metal thing i've ever heard <laughs> right and right in between you learn about how not to be a racist i i love everything about that mike um yes. it's it's so perfect and beautiful. Also, um, I just want to make a clarification before that I wasn't laughing at racism. Um, <laughs> I was laughing at the sudden left turn from right. fighting Ghostbusters to fighting racism. And right. I love that the uh, the show producers were able to do that. They just, yeah, they just ran for it. And I, I, I have to believe that, like, the, the lead writer was looking through newspapers and uh, seeing stuff on racism, and he's like, I don't want my kids growing up with that. I need to inspire them. I love that so much. <laughs> and, you know, and it, it's done in a way that doesn't feel forced. At least that's what it sounds mm -hmm. like. Um, looking at you, modern iteration of Ghostbusters. <laughs> right, right. So, I, you know, as I'm talking about this show... And telling you how awesome it is, I'm actually blowing my own mind by saying, "Wow, that, did I just watch that?" Yeah, did no, I... it's it's yeah. it's so great. I mean, you point to a modern TV show right now that talks about anti-Semitism while fighting a giant ghost golem, and <laughs> I'll eat a hat. Yeah, you're not going to get that lesson. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, I love that, and I love that you ended with that, and um, yeah, you're right. It, it definitely feels like somebody picked our brain and was like, let's make a cartoon. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it just blows my mind, and you can go on Hulu right now. Right now. Right now you can go on Hulu, because it's, it's on my list, mm -hmm. front and center. You can watch every episode of it in English or Spanish. That's what I'm talking about, Mike. Yes. Inclusivity for everyone. And you get a good laugh out of it. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you get to, you know, you get to tell those anti-Semites and racists to stick it where the sun don't shine. Right. In two languages. 
in two languages, just like how Captain America would want us to do it. Right. Um, Mike, shall I go on to my uh, my last offering and put a yes. cherry on the Sunday? Mm-hmm. Um, the last episode that I'm bringing it's it's a little bit more ambitious. It's it's definitely got the the least amount of episodes of of TV shows or cartoons that we've talked about. Um, but it's uh it's a it's a little mini series called Over the Garden Wall. Um, it was made by a uh, a director named uh Patrick McHale, and uh he's kind of he's he's best known for being um the writer and creative director for a little thing called Adventure Time. Uh I don't mm-hmm. know if you've if you've ever heard of a show like that or he was also um pretty fundamental uh for shows like The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack and uh you know some other some other shorts. Um mm-hmm. and uh he uh he's actually uh he plays the he's a voice actor in a couple episodes of of Gravity Falls and and some other things but um yeah over the garden wall is is truly truly uh, a work of art it's beautiful um it features the the voice talents of a uh, a little known hobbit named Elijah Wood uh and mm-hmm. uh it's uh it, and it won an emmy mike if you can believe that um wow. uh, a cartoon uh winning an emmy uh for uh outstanding animated program um mm-hmm. but it's what really sets it apart um is the the series um kind of art style and uh environment mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like this uh 19th or 20th century americana um feels right uh, and it, you know if you like you know your cupheads, or if you like your, um, you know your Popeye or whatever, um, you'll love this show. But it's 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 taken that like traditional kind of hand drawn uh, Americana style, and you know shoving it into the the the, the 21st century, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's the perfect um, it's the perfect uh, cartoon to watch kind of as we go into spooky season uh and uh it, it this so the show is about uh these two half brothers named uh Rhett and Greg and uh, they get lost in this little forest uh that turns out to be a big forest called the unknown and in order to find their way home the two of them have to to cross the supernatural forest with the the help of uh wandering um uh, americana figures uh, that you would recognize, like a like a woodsman or, um, like a bluebird, um, you know, things that uh, things that you would see, um, in in traditional, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse cartoons, um, you know, even, uh, you know, uh, even you know, drawing on things like Huckleberry Finn or, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that. So, it's it's beautifully well done. It's um, it, it's. Like it, it's it's truly a work of art, and if you're a, a fan of of cartoons, um, you know this is in in my opinion the the epitome of of the genre, and it's it's really sad to me that uh, a lot a lot more people haven't seen it. Yeah, you know this is totally out of left field for me, and this is totally right up my alley because it's got that classical like 1900s old old timey comic book 
Have you ever heard of Little Nemo in Slumberland, a 1906 comic? No. Um, yeah, that's it's kind of got like cartoon characters that are like I don't know, they they just have this ancient feel to them, but they're also like fantasy driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of got like a Rats of Nim feel to it as well. I don't know. It it looks like it's just chalk loaded with class. It it really is. And uh there's um about halfway through there's just there's an incredible plot twist, uh, which I know is a spoiler in and of itself, but um, you know, the the storytelling is is beautiful and um it's it really feels like, you know, someone uh not even someone, it, it just feels like you and a group of friends are on a camping trip in the in the woods in the fall and you're all sitting down around a campfire and someone is telling a spooky story. That's what it, that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's 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 truly uh like a you have to see it before you die if you're uh if you're into cartoon mo- into cartoons at all. Let let me guess. This is on none of the streaming platforms, so you um, have to buy cable. I think it's on Netflix. That's the the last time I saw it. It was on Netflix. Oh, oh. So if um, you if you still kept your Netflix account after the mass exodus, <laughs> then you should definitely check it out. Uh, it's uh, the internet says that it's on Hulu right now. Oh, even better, even better. Yeah, it's on Hulu and HBO Max. Mm, and good. uh. Yeah, so definitely, definitely watch it. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, Christopher Lloyd is in it. Uh, I can't John believe Cleese he's still is, alive, right? John Cleese is in it. I can't believe he's still alive. Yeah. Um, Tim Curry is in it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 chock full of people. Uh, and yeah, no, this is one of those things where um, you won't be able to look at cartoons the same way again. You know, this is this is the perfect thing to kind of, uh, you know, kind of like how people will be like, oh, I don't really like comic books, but then you know they went to go see, I know, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, or um, you know, they watch The Walking Dead, and they're like, oh, I guess these comic books are more than just men in tights. This is one of those cartoons that are more than just those drawings for little kids. Yeah. You know, it's. I think everything on our list today proves that uh, cartoons do not have to just be ridiculous, um, you know, weirdos just dabbing and doing selfies. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that these these can be like Americana art that be- belong in a museum and belong in our dreams. Right, and they can also include. You know, ghost fighters that say uh, no to ghosts and racism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely go on Hulu. First go to Adam's show. Then go to my show. And then uh, thank the Lord for such creations. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, with you know with uh, The Office coming off Netflix pretty soon, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of time to watch things. And... You know, we gave you a really solid list. You really can't go wrong. Yeah, it, it's going to take up a few weeks, definitely. Amen. Get you through that uh, quarantine if you're still in it. 
Absolutely. Oh man, I, this was a this was a good episode, Mike. I I love oh. talking about cartoons. Um, I love talking about animation, and um, I feel like even in and of itself, it as a media art form is you know the definition of bottom shelf dreams. Yeah, what we did today is we definitely went into Tolkien levels of death depth <laughs> over for cartoons, and you're either gonna hate it that we went so deep or we went with such loving fantastic eyes of wonder or you're going to be there right with us and i hope you are amen and you know if even one person checks out you know just one of our suggestions today that would make me so so happy yes i mean just just go on ghostbusters extreme or any of the things we mentioned just to tell me that I did not make this up because, <laughs> uh, you know, no one else can relate to Ghostbusters Extreme. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's the, the perfect running theme for all of these. It's that um, we experience these as children and we're not really sure if they actually existed. So we need <laughs> other people to watch it to tell us that they actually did happen. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Like half of my childhood is me just questioning, like, was was reality that cool? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, if someone had come up to tell me that there was a cartoon series in the mid-2000s starring Jackie Chan being an archaeologist mm -hmm. and fighting uh, smoke ninjas, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> right. But it happened. It really happened. Yeah. And if you told me there could be a Ghostbuster in a wheelchair um, who, who fought um, Jewish monsters, I would say no, no. 2020 does not deserve that. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's so beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, before we, we sign off, Mike, do you have any honorable mentions that you would want to just toss in there? Um, just this honorable mention is just cool. I don't mm -hmm. think you'll ever be able to find it, but, um, you know, the WB is always coming up with these great ideas and using their, their, like their sassy, um, kind of, you'll get it if you're an adult comedy, but also right, right. you'll love it because you're a kid comedy. And right. so they had, um, this, they had this show called Road Rovers. Whoa. Which is these five different dog breeds in armor suits. Um, they used to be just these average dogs, but someone put them in armor suits and they began to talk and they want and uh they wanted to fight crime. So you got like a Doberman, you got like a, a golden collie, you got like this Russian or the Siberian husky. Right. Um uh, they had this this female dog, which I, I can't remember the breed, but they, they all had their own personality. And um, the Siberian Husky had like this uh, thick, like Austrian accent. So he was like, um, he, <laughs> he was will like break you. Arnold. Yeah, he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of of the group. And, uh, you know, they would get into these serious battles to stop like, I don't know, evil Russian dictators. I love and then. And then their their you know their boss would be like you know and stay off the couch, that's for humans <laughs> only. Yeah, so I love that. Yeah, you know what so, it you know what it sounds like. Right. 
Uh, it sounds like a proto version of Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Paw Patrol done by Adult Swim. Honestly, right? Right. I love that. That sounds that sounds like all things on this list. A fever dream. Yeah. What um, about you? My, my honorable mention, and um, I was kind of hoping you were gonna mention it, um, but I'm you know at the same time I'm disappointed that I didn't mention it. Um, mm-hmm. But a little TV show called Static Shock. Oh, um, yes. Um, I mean, it might be one of those that's like, uh, you know, just a little a little too on the nose. Um, but, you know, coming out in 2004, I mean, Static Shock. Uh, I know everyone, rightfully so, you know, wants to praise, uh, you know, Chadwick Boseman and, you know, Black Panther for being, the, you know, the, the first kind of black superhero movie. But Static Shock doesn't get enough credit for being, uh, you know, the first uh, black superhero cartoon. Um, yeah. Coming out in 2000. And was that bef- even before Blade? Uh, I don't know. If, like, Blade is a cartoon or Blade is a well, movie? Well, Blade as, like, uh, uh, like a media like a with uh, a, a black uh, lead superhero. I, I think Blade kind of beat it out by uh, a couple mm. years because that was okay. late 90s. Right, right, right. But yep. you know every everyone in Marvel refuses to believe that was the first black superhero. They're like, yeah, Black Panther. Right, right. We didn't do anything like this not in the late 90s. Right. <laughs> um but regardless, you know, like yeah, mm-hmm. Static Shock and Blade, you know, they they paved the way and you know, Static Shock uh for for all the reasons I loved Danny Phantom, uh, were the reasons I loved Static Shock, and uh, mm-hmm. with even more exciting news that uh, you know there that there's a movie in the works for it, and mm-hmm. I would love to see that happen. And um, you know, in a in a world where um, we've you know we've sadly uh, had the passing of Chadwick Boseman, I would love I could see no greater honor to his legacy than, you know, just expanding um, that roster of, of African-American uh, superheroes. Right, right. And I think I'm Michael B. Team. Jordan went public and said he wants to play that guy. So there you go. All all the power to him for that. That would be mm-hmm. so awesome. And I think he right. would kill that role, uh, pun yes. intended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a monger. Right. Oh man. So well, Mike, that was Yeah, we great. killed it. I, I love that. That was a great that was a good episode. I love I love the deep dive and I hope you guys liked it too. Mm-hmm. And I pray that I can uh, edit all this probably this Lord of the Rings sized episode. And uh, you know, just uh I hope you're enjoying it as I'm talking right now. I'm into that, and uh, we'll see you next week, friends. Yes, we will. When we talk about um, which kart racer was better, uh, Nickelodeon Nickelodeon kart or Or... um, DreamWorks kart. (laughs) I was going to say Sonic Team Racing. (laughs) That's too mainstream for us. (laughs) Can we just talk about how absurd that is? Why are people that can run faster than the speed of sound driving cars? Sorry. Sorry. That's that's for another episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All okay. right. Well, I've been Mike. 
I've been Adam. Yes, and keep your eyes on the bottom shelf. Amen. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.